Hello and welcome to the Oncast. My name is Dom, as one half of the Oncast. I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Yep. Yep. In this episode, we're talking about the new Netflix film, The Devil All the Time, directed by Antonio Campos and starring Tom Holland, Bill Skarsgård, Jason Clark, Ke- Riley Keough, and Robert Pattinson. And Mia Wazowski. Wazowski. Um, Sebastian Stan, I'd say. Sebastian Stan. Yeah, Sebastian Stan. Um, Jason, Jason Clark. Jason Clark. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it stars Spider-Man, Batman, The Winter Soldier, one of the John Connors, and adds one of that. Yes. <laughs> for, for for point of reference. Um, so it's a hell of a team up. It's the most ambitious crossover in cinema history. Like <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so this is a yeah, new Netflix film. Um, and it's very different from the last couple of Netflix films that we've covered on this show. Uh, I mean, it is and it isn't. Like, there's a lot of. I don't, I don't think you can say this is anything like The Old Guard and Extraction. I can say it's quite a bit like The Five Bloods. Oh, okay, yeah, I've got about The Five Bloods. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. There's a lot of. There's an awful lot of brooding in this. Yeah. Yeah, but I suppose the difference is that The Five Bloods was, was conceived as a movie by Spike Lee, whereas this is based on a book. Yeah, very much clearly based on the book to a point where yes, almost the film itself is structured in a novel way, and I don't mean novel as in innovative. Yeah. I mean novel as in yeah. a literary way. Yeah, absolutely, and you can tell that, like, even to the point where they have a narrator who is narrated by the man <laughs> who wrote the book. You find out at the end the guy the so the guy who wrote the book is uh, Donald Ray Pollock. Yeah, and he throughout the whole movie you have this this sort of almost the voice of God, like just even going so far as to tell you what characters are thinking, but it's narrated by the actual author, which is interesting. Anyway, before we get too deep into it, we have to explain what this is. So it's like this um, ensemble, southern gothic, like drama, basically. I don't know how else to put. So it's a uh, it's like a thriller. But it's got like a psychological thriller sort of vibe about it in the way that so much of it's like interspersed and like weaves from one to the next. The things that, yeah, I would compare it to is stuff like, um, yeah, it reminded me of No Country for Old Men uh-huh. and also uh, Three Billboards. Yeah. Do you know, um, I was watching this and I was like, this is the Coen brothers directing a Cormac McCarthy book. Yeah. Yeah. It reminded me a bit of that. And yeah, so it's that sort of interweaving storylines um which you kind of get like yeah again you think of like tarantino movies like the whole way through when things were happening i was like well obviously these these two things are going to intersect and there's going to yeah. be some sort of conclusion we come to in a similar way to a tarantino movie where you feel like you're watching these disparate parts that don't really have anything to do with one another and then mm. obviously they do um but it basically tells the story of a family it tells you two two generations worth of the story of a family um, with Bill Skarsgård at the beginning of the movie. The big first section of the movie is all about the parents of these two kids. Yeah. Who you would then spend the rest of the movie with. And the two kids are played by is Tom Holland and then the girl... I can't look her name. Oh, I forgot she, her name. She, well, she's like one of the only actors in the whole thing that isn't a name actor. Like, everyone else is someone that you recognise or have seen in something else. Um, uh, Eliza Scanline. Players, uh, that's it yeah um and so it's basically these two kids who have you find out their entire backstory in terms of 
everything that happened to their parents, their respective parents, and how they came to be where they are, sort of in their early in their high school years, essentially. Um, she's like um, just starting high school. He's just finished high school. When yeah. The majority of the story takes place. It's set in like southern, like was it Ohio or? I can't remember. We we're really good at this. But <laughs> so much of this was mumbled. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of mumbling. There's a lot of mumbling in this, but at the same time, like, the delivery, everything's delivered in so such an earnest way. Yeah, it's very serious. There's very not dark. a flash of light in this. No. And it's so serious and so, well, like I say, earnest all the time. <laughs> I mean, before we, yeah, okay, on that note then, I feel like I want to get to the point. Like, what did you think of the whole thing as a whole? I really liked it. Yeah. However, everything that happened in it, I saw coming a mile off. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. Um, I know what you mean. It, it was like I don't know. It was, I think what it, it was the execution of it which elevated it, and a lot of that comes down to like the cast. And the execution and the performance were great. So, like the like you say, the direction, and the performance were really, really good. What I did have an issue with was, yeah, like I said, there was so much of it that was just, of course, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. I know, what you mean. but like it, it didn't detract from the like I say. Even though you like, there are certain things how you know that how they're going to play out. Yeah. It didn't make it any less like. I think particularly no. the only section of it I think that it did surprise me in a couple of places was that opening forty-five minutes, where it's the parents, mm-hmm. the stuff that went on with them, because that's kind of it has a really long first act. Like for, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's almost a prologue. Yeah, exactly. It goes on and like you keep you're watching it, and it's like it's obviously it's been sold this film. If you've seen any of the trailers or anything for it, they sell it on the back of Tom Holland and mm. um, Robert Pattinson to a certain extent. Yeah. But neither of those guys turn up until 45 minutes in. No. And this is all time spent with who then turns out to be he, like Tom Holland's father, the character yeah. he plays. But all that stuff, that that first 45 minutes, that was stuff that was more shocking. I'm not well, not shocking, but just like, you know, there were more left turns in that that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Some dark shit went on that I was like, oh, fuck. Like, do you know what I mean? The manager goes, but then once it got into the Tom, yeah, the Tom Holland section, if you like, that's when you sort of, yeah, the, the pieces fell into place and you sort of, I can see where this is going, kind of thing. Yeah, and it's it's very much a, like, laying the groundwork for the character that we see yeah. becoming. And I think, again, as much as I enjoyed it, it w- it's definitely one of those, I already know that the book is far better than the film. Yeah, it kind of, it speaks to the fact, like, the, the fact that they... Um, they did what they did, like we mentioned earlier, with the, the narration telling you what's being thought in the character's yeah. head. Sort of tells you that it's such a, obviously such a difficult thing to adapt that they had to lean on that. Yeah. And they had to have someone literally spell out to you what's going on inside someone's head. And because, it's quite jarring at times. Yeah. Because you're like... Whose point of view is this? Yeah, cause for the yeah. longest time, I'm sat there trying to figure out who this is going to be. Like, yeah. Film convention, again, tells you that if there's, a, there's a, someone who's telling a story over a voiceover then there'll be a reveal at the end of the movie who tells you who it is who's telling this story. Yeah. It'll be, they'll be in a police lockup or they'll be like telling their story to one of their children or whatever and years later. And as the film goes on, I'm going, well, no, it can't be from Tom Holland's point of view because he wasn't there. 
but no, he, it can't be him because he didn't know anything about that. So, and I'm just trying to puzzle it out, and then you finally figure out at the end that it's just a narration. But yeah. that is again, it's, it's not so much. I don't want to say lazy, but just like it's a crutch they had to lean on. I think because they were it, struggling in adapting the book. Yeah, and part of like part of what I've picked apart of this film in the last half an hour is that this film seems to exist in. It's got like a fairy tale, fantasy element to it, in like a in like a grim, tales style. Yeah, it's like an apocryphal because um, I guess the whole thesis of it is about history repeating itself and you're doomed to repeat the mistakes you've made. But, but it but it is and it isn't because it's 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 demonstrating that you can learn a lesson from the past and move forward, mm. but it's also judging that by remaining as pure as you are mm. that you you can go out and commit commit these acts of violence yeah for the right reasons and move on with life yeah to the point that you know we do move into tom holland being this reluctant hero yeah and he's he's not so much a hero more as he's this sort of avenging angel type yeah and he's going around and exacting the will of what is right. Yeah, so it's not so much a God sort of thing, because God is obviously a very heavy presence in this film. Yeah, because it's very much a, a heavily, like like say, a lot of it, like the, the stuff, in, again, the stuff that was most compelling from that was in that first act, is the Bill Skarsgård stuff. Mm. Um, and the, th- the lengths he goes to, the, th- the things that, like, a devout faith will drive you to do and the same with the um the other actor we have mentioned um the dudley dursley yeah <laughs> his whole character again is the, the lengths that these men went to as a result of their faith yeah and how far that drove that drove them and that is a whole thing in it but it doesn't it's more interesting in that half than it is in the later half if you like. yeah but it's also like the corruption of faith yes, as well because absolutely. it's there's there's a scene early on that's quite a shocking scene where you understand that Bill Skarsgård's character of Tom Holland's father is um has been traumatized mm. by something involving a crucifix yeah uh from his time in the war and it's it sort of then leads this presence throughout that god is no longer an assuring character in this god is there exists in a malevolent way or the representation of god or our perception of god or us being the byproduct of god has this malevolent presence within the film mm. and it gets to the point where any time that god and jesus is mentioned it's done in such a dark bleak violent way mm. be it well, actually, I won't say that. That's a spoiler. But um, but in any way that there's, you know, God is intended in this violent way. And then you realise that it's nothing in there. Is Nothing else that's in there revolves around this. So it's, it is this force of will that's through Tom, mm. Tom's character. I can't remember his name now. Is it Hector? No, it's um, Arlen. That's it, sorry. Who's Hector? That's the uncle. That's it. 
but yeah so and it's Arvin, it's sorry, it was Arvin Russell was the name yeah of so it's he's like this sort of pushing force like force of will throughout the whole thing and everything that he does is the is exacting something either justice or something but it's always done from a place of good but it's and it's so it's conversely flipping those things because so it's taking something which is religion which is ideologically good mm. and then violence and acts of danger and damage and yeah i mean there's lots of like yeah it, it explores a few different facets of, of that like you say it's what people's own personal faith drives them to do it's what people who are in a position of faith and how they manipulate that um that's they don't shy away from that either there's loads of levels of it and i guess it's a case of it's talking about this particular um sort of middle america um and it, yeah it is set in ohio ohio um which is like and it's where the author grew up so it's about his own sort of experiences of yeah. living in that time and that and the sort of the the social pressures that come with somebody with having that much of a devout belief that people have in terms yeah of like, you know and that is like such a heavy it's heavy that's what you mean yeah Yeah, it's that it's like this oppressive thing and that's the way it comes across like the the fear they have of being shown up at church or just not going to church and what people will think of them if they just don't go to church but it's not even that it's whether whether Jesus will be upset with them or God God will be upset with them God won't forgive them neither will any of their neighbours or anything like that so Mm. it's not just keeping up appearances it's they genuinely feel like they're going to be punished it's just yeah it's like you say it's it doesn't put religion in a very good light in, no. in any way. It's a, almost a damning um, indictment of the of the whole. Yeah, because it, it's no one no one benefits from it. Any or anyone who does is shown to be some sort of delusional, crazy, exploitative man. figure, or exploitative, or they're just they're crazy and they are. Oh, God told me to do it. Sort yeah. of sort of craziness. Um, and there's one there is one great moment where someone just called that out, which I won't spoil. Mm. Someone just goes, "No." This is what happened, and like literally lays it out in black and yeah. white. Um, because there, yeah, the, not to, to put too fine a point on it, but there are some some murders. Okay. Yeah, there are some fairly explicit scenes there of. There are some pretty full on fucking dark, yeah, murder, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think yeah, like you say, although some of the things you can see coming a mile off, the thing that elevates it, and I think makes it good i really enjoyed it actually enjoy is the wrong word because it's so dark and so like yeah but that's the thing like you say about that like there is enjoyment if you found in the darkest of things like the road for example is one of my favorite books Mm. because it's so oppressively bleak bleak Mm. and sad there's no relenting to it Mm. even to the point that you get to this is a slight spoiler for Cormac McCarthy's The Road, but you get to the end of the book and what happens at the end is so ambiguous that you don't know what to do and it just sits with you. And this is a similar thing that happens with this, Mm. is that you get to the end and you are (laughs) uh, presented with an ending which leads you to interpret things further on from there. I won't say any more. I don't think we need to do a spoiler tag on this, but um, because otherwise we'll just be talking about the plot. Yeah. But I think, yeah, this is one of those things where it's like you say, you know, it is oppressively dark Mm. and heavy, 
and such a looming thing that's over the top of you. You get to the end and you sort of. <sighs> but that's exactly that. I think that's that's an um, achievement in the directing because that's almost the exact point where the characters that you're with at the end, who again I won't spoil, but that's exactly the feeling they're having. Exactly. And you're on board with them so much, but they, they achieve that feeling for you as the audience member, which is putting you into the boots of the person you're watching on screen. Yeah. And just that, oh god. <sighs> it's, this, it's a little bit the other it reminded me a little bit of stuff like the um like the very end of um the graduate yeah where it's just been such a fucking hand-wringing like horrible like the last the half hour of it or whatever it's just oh thank fuck for that <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's over thank god it's over um but it, it doesn't mean that, that there aren't things to yeah. come l- later which is exactly what the whole the ending of the graduate is that now what yeah, and there is a little bit of that in this, but I think more of it with this one, it's more just the relief. Um, and that's not to say that it's been because it's a hell of a ride. This, um, and much as you do see things coming, it's the way they're executed and the way yeah. you see them play out and the performances. Like there are certain, there are scenes between some of these actors. Um, there's one kind of sort of set piece, sort of I don't know about two thirds of the way through. Um, you'd think it would be the crescendo, but it's got more up its sleeve. Yeah. Um, where it's between Tom Holland and Robert Pattinson. And that is brilliant from the pair of them. They're both... And and that's the main thing to say as well. Everybody is fucking brilliant. Everyone is on their A-game and here. Tom Holland is... He, like, he's stepped up in a big way, I think, in this. Yeah. He sort of show, this will be something where he shows people what he can do. Because he's on this platform where everyone can see Netflix and we're all starting yeah. content it'll probably get a bigger audience. People will sit up and pay a bit more attention to him. But also, people are going to pay attention to the fact that it's Spider-Man and Batman. Yeah, they are. You know? I mean, I kept, we kept throughout the whole thing going, oh, Spider-Man versus Batman, Dawn of the Bible. Yeah. That's what what it should be called. Yes. But, he's great. And like, it takes you a minute because you obviously, we all know him from that part and we, we in particular, have seen those movies hundreds of bloody times. And it takes you a minute to readjust to it, but once you get into it, and he's like this disaffected, angry young man, sort of James Dean esque, wearing like like angry, constantly smoking, and he's just he's this angry young man, and he really pulls it off. But he, the thing is, one thing I think about his performance is is that he doesn't is that that anger is only ever demonstrated in certain avenues, hmm. in certain lessons that he's been taught. That's where you be angry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But even so that, he's like, taken that on that because these are, be it appropriate or not, mm-hmm. the level of behaviour that he's learned this mm. is might be wrong, but it's still that's the lesson that he's learned from yeah. the past, and that's, and that's how he can project that forward. And that's the, that's the benefit of it being done as the way it was done in terms of it being done as a film. Because I was I I have my inevitable thought every time I watch something like this, which is. Would this have been better as a series? Mm. I actually don't think it would have been because I think what's good about the way they structured it is that you, yeah, everything everything you've seen in the last hour informs what you're watching now. So yeah, you see Tom Holland and everything that he experienced with his father and growing up because he wasn't that when his father you know passes away or whatever. That's not that's not a spoiler, but he. The time he spent with him, he was at what about ten years old by the time his father was like yeah, yeah something like that, like seven, seven eight seven, years seven old, or eight, something like that. So it's not like he doesn't remember. 
No. We we experienced all that with him, and so then we know that going into everything, we know all the context behind everything he then does. Yeah, so and he like, he explicitly says at one point, "I remember every single minute of that night." Of that day, yeah, I know everything that happened. I remember, and like, and even like he repeats stuff that his father said back to him. Yeah. Um, but even at the time, you get the narration saying he thought that was the best day he ever had with his dad, and yeah. he remembered it forever. It's like right, okay, and that informs what comes later. So that is that's brilliant, and that's kind of that's where the structuring the, the movie being like a novel really works yeah so some places where it doesn't that's one of the places where it does yeah um, and, and that's the thing I, I i think that the, i definitely think that yes the novel is going to be better than the film but for somebody that's not going to sit down and read the novel yeah you should definitely watch this film this is a sort of generational piece of like say american gothic sort of like thin sort of veil of fantasy that exists within it because there are these interwoven connected structures of these seemingly disconnected threads yeah and it's that, that all sort of culminate as they go through like you're saying like a tarantino style um but yeah and it's interesting like they had like you say there is an element of the fantastic in there where it's like it's some sort of is it fate? Is there some sort of big... Yeah. Thing? Like, cause the idea, like, the way they sort of set it all up is that everything, um, all the pieces fall into place when two men walk into a diner at the same on the same day back in 1950-whatever it is. Yeah. Two guys, and that's where they both happen to meet their um, yeah. respective women and everything everything comes out of that. Yeah. Which is a really interesting idea. Um, but yeah, I think the main thing is, is the, the... I think it's directed brilliantly. Yeah, uh, I think just the way that things are intercut, the way you know the 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 sh- uh, choice of shots and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff, um, and the, just the sort of sense of foreboding that you get in certain scenes um, is brilliant. And the guy's Antonio Campos. Um, he hasn't really directed any movies stuff that I've seen too much. No. Of. The only thing that I notice is he directed an episode of the uh, the Punisher for Netflix. Yeah. So obviously he's in that wheelhouse. But again, he also did that. Um... Oh, what's it called? The Netflix show. I just finished watching it the other day. The Sinner. That's it. Yeah. Um, the Sinner is is has like quite a lot of similarity to this, mm. to be honest, in the way that it's um exists within a guilty narrative. Mm. Um, the Sinner addresses. So the Sinner is quite interesting, and that's again another Netflix property. Mm. Um. The Sinner is a TV show which in the first episode shows you a, well it's not a spoiler to say because in all three seasons there's a death in the first episode and you see who does it and you see them doing it. But then what? But then it's, it's, yeah, it's like a why done it rather than a who done it sort of thing. Or a, um, as, as, earlier. As we should appropriately use the appropriate grammar for it, a who has done this? <laughs> a who has done this? Yeah. Um, Thanks, yeah. Brooklyn Nine Nine, for one of my favourite jokes. Um, yeah. So I mean, yeah. So Tom Holland is fucking brilliant. Um, yeah. And he really, he really sells this, and he sort of breaks out of that Spider-Man thing fairly early on. I think it's, he, yeah. He, this is he's not Peter Parker in this. He's not cracking jokes. He's not having fun. He's, he's the only, I think the only downside to his casting in this is that, and it's something he's going to have to fight against, I think, for a long time, is that he just looks so young. 
Yeah. If he just looked a little bit older, if he could just, just could have grown, like, grown a little bit of stubble <laughs> or something. Do you know what I mean? If he just, because he's meant to be, because the idea is like he starts going out and working and he's driving the car and all the rest of it. He's meant to be a, a sort of in his early 20s. And I say he's meant to be. He is in his early 20s, but he looks yeah. like a teenager. <laughs> and it's just, there's nothing, there's as much as you can try and do to make him look, you know, make him seem older. He's just, he does just look like a 15 year old. And that's why they're able to play that off in the Spider-Man movie yeah. well. But when you Because he his... does look like a kid who sort of left school at sort of 14, 15, yeah. and it's like four or five years later, maybe yeah. three or four years later. He's like 18, 19 in this. Yeah. Like his clothes are a bit too big for him. No, that's the thing. I think he should be older. If he, in this, he needs to be like 21, 22. Yeah. He looks 18, 19. It's, oh, it's a little, it's yeah. a marginal difference, but it makes all the difference. Do you know what I mean? And there's and there's another similar thing I'd say about um, Sebastian Stan. Yeah. Who's great in this, but I do think he's a little bit miscast in terms of just being a little. He's too young almost. The weird thing about Sebastian Stan in this is that you see him in things like I Tonya, for example, mm-hmm. and he's a total piece of shit, and he's painted in that way throughout the film. Not to say that the guy in real life is, because I don't know anything about that. But in that film, he's painted as a total oh, he, piece of shit. In real life, he's great. He's got to be. I don't know. But just, yeah. Just from his interviews with him and Anthony Mackie, like, you can just tell those guys. Are <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But like, oh no, I mean like the character he played in oh, right, I, Tonya. Because right, right. like, yeah, I, Tonya is based on real, real isn't it? It's all, yeah. yeah. But then, um, but it doesn't seem to, it doesn't gel as well in this. Like he doesn't have yeah. the same, like, I don't know if it, I don't know if he has the same commitment to this role that he did with the other. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, I think he's a, he's slightly miscast in that they, there's a time jump, um, and so you see him in two time periods. And in, in one time period, Tom Holland's character is very much a child, and then they jump forward, and now Tom Holland's character who's like it's like ten years. It's, t- it's like seven years later, or whatever. So now he's like a he's a young man or whatever. Whereas, the, and it's still Sebastian Stan, and they just padded his face out a little bit with some like, yeah he's a bit paunchy it's like I think they what they should have done is they, they cast the wrong way round rather than have a young actor and then age him up they should have had a older actor age him down for the earlier scenes and then so like I can imagine someone like Woody Harrelson playing this part yeah great that kind of thing I know that's a bit of typecasting because it's very much similar he was playing the sheriff in um, three, three billboards yeah but that's the kind of thing because the idea of by the time we get to the later uh, scenes with Sebastian Stan, is that he's a sheriff who's going up for re-election and cares about all that. But just you're watching it, it's like, yeah, but you're only like 32. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It doesn't, yeah, exactly. It doesn't seem quite right that you're no. going, like you're this politically motivated. And it's like, no, nah, well, if you're a 20 year man on the job sort of thing, and you're the le- yeah, going for not going for election, going for re-election as a sheriff, you should probably be a bit older. Yeah, that's that's. But like that strikes me as somebody that should be like that's like a a character in their mid 40s like, I, I tell you what they could not just, somebody they could, in their 50s or 60s yeah. or someone in their 30s yeah 40s yeah Think so like I'm, well even weirdly you could even you could have swapped Sebastian Stan with Jason Clark and have them play yeah. each other's parts and it almost would have worked better mm-hmm. because <laughs> Jason Clark's in this he's a piece of shit Oh, he's fucking horrible in this. Horrible in this. He's great. To be fair, he's another one of those he's like actors who's great in Dirty, everything. grimy, yeah. and sweaty the just, whole time. But just the first, from the minute he turns up, you can tell he's a fucking wrong one. And he just, and yeah. yeah, he's horrible. But, like, great. Like, his performance. Was, oh, yeah. He's amazing. Like, again, and the last thing we saw him in would have been Pet Cemetery. 
Yeah. We had nothing but sympathy for the man the whole way through. We yeah. Just, you really felt for him. And again, that's just the mark of a great actor that he can just turn out, even just from the look on his face, and you fucking hate him. Yeah. <laughs> really much no, exactly. Him. I think he's fucking. Like, I genuinely, I do really rate him as an actor, mate. Um, but he's another one that, yeah, he sort of he gets overlooked a little bit. He's underrated. But I've, I've, I'm, yeah. I'm, one day he'll get something that really lets him. He delivers like quite a lot of understated performances, and he's very much like a A minus. Like yeah. he's he's the star in a lot of films. Well, he was like they tried the, the when he tried to go big time was when they made him John Connor for a minute. Yeah, but and even then he was playing. He was playing B note to was it Jai Courtney and Amelia Clark and Amelia Clark Arnold Schwarzenegger. But that was that's the closest he's ever come to being a movie star. Yeah, I mean, he did the Planet of the Apes films. No, he did one. Does it with just the one? He just did the middle one. Okay. That was it. So, he's again, he's had some high-profile things. He's one of those ones where when he turns up, people will recognise him and know him. Mm. But he's not, like, he's not a record... Like, no one will know... If you said the name, people wouldn't recognise If you said Christian Bale, everyone knows who that is. Yeah. If you said Jason Clarke, who? He was in this. You've seen him in stuff, you just don't know it. He's, he's, that, he's yeah. one of them, do you know what I mean? He's um, like an everyman. Yeah. Um, but he's great in this. Um, I mean... <sighs> The elephant in the room, it's fucking Pattinson, man. Yeah. Jesus Christ, like this guy. Yeah, like Tom Holland's performance is good in this, and like is very very good in this, but Pattinson's performance in this is transformative. Is. But like he, it, he this has, guy is a frightening talent. Like he, he's on another level. He's just like he, because again, he just he's so he turns up. And it's and within the first five minutes you realise, oh no, this is completely different from everything I've ever seen him in before. Yeah. In the first like couple of lines that he has out from the, again, the expression on his face, his accent, the way he moves, his physicality, everything about him is like the characterization of it is that early on you're like, oh, this is a really interesting character, and then he does something you're like, oh fuck that guy, like yeah. absolutely fuck that guy, he's awful piece of shit. Yeah. But just like, yeah, and it, and it just blows my mind again. Like, the last thing we saw in him was Tanet. Yeah. And he was brilliant, and we loved him. And we thought, and again, similar to Jason Clark. Yeah. In a way, um, he he can make you love him and hate him. Yeah. Really he delivered easy. a full sentence that wasn't spoken behind a scarf in this film, though. <laughs> you're, still, you're still grumpy about that, aren't you? Oh, yeah. You're going to have to let it go, man. Nope. Is it going to be the only movie playing for the till from now until the end of time? That you have to just accept the fact that it's not very good nope. sound quality. Nope. <laughs> I refer you back to Christopher Nolan's Interstellar, where he uses Dylan Thomas's poem, Rage, Rage Against the Burn, <laughs> the Dying of the Light. And so I'll do. I just continue to rage against this film until all films die. That'll be my last bastion. I'll be stood on the. I'll be stood on the corpse of cinema and I'll say, you shouldn't have mumbled so much. You really don't like mumbling, do you? You're such an old man. No, well, it's fucking annoying. You go, <laughs> like, there's a fucking point in putting dialogue in a film when someone's just going to go... No, don't fucking put it in the film. Like, we talk about films a lot. Dialogue's very important. Exposition is extremely important. Expositing... To another person is an important part of film. What are you gonna do? Oh, I'm just gonna mumble, mumble, mumble. You're gonna, you're gonna what? 
in a moment. Great. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, the devil all the time. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what more there is to say. I think the only sort of other major criticism I have of it, um, and this is more to do with the source material than it is the the film itself, is the female characters feel a little uh, weaker. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think it could probably draw some criticism for that in terms of they are either drawn into, they're manipulated by men or religion or whatever they happen to be, but they they don't have a lot of agency. They're no. Barely any agency in this movie. Like, we know that they... They're, they're tools. Exclusively tools. Yeah, but like the, a lot of the time, they again, they try and get around that by using the um, using the narration to say this is what she was thinking. Oh, she was thinking yeah. about doing something, but she didn't do it. Yeah, but like, oh, but no, no, no. She was alright. Like, she she had the thought about maybe she should actualize herself and 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 take control of the situation. Yeah, she didn't, but she thought about it. Yeah, like, and it's just like, fuck, you know, okay, come on, like, yeah, like I've just wished that one of them, had, someone, you know, female had stepped up at some point in this film. Yeah, it's it's that might have been a yeah. Again, that's more to do, like I said, with the source material. Yeah, and it's that's not in the book. They got there's only so many. Liberties they can take, but you can you can there's so much more that you can add into a, into a film from a book that's going to resonate to a female viewer because in this I was just thinking back there's not a single moment in this film where a woman does something off of her own back no that's what I mean yeah it's exclusively led by men yeah that is it like the women are just there in the background. To act as plot devices, mm. yeah, and that's one thing. Like I've said to you, sort of in the past, and it's like it's not so much not in this film, but it's like the action of violence against the woman is a stirring subject, and it has to be like um, extreme yeah. for the man to do something about it because yeah. it's a male power fantasy, which is what this film is, mm. you know, when we boil it down, but. And it is like, oh, I can take that guy down because he was mean to a woman. And I can take this guy down because he was mean to a woman. And I'm going to take God down because he was mean to my mum. You know, yeah. that's what this film is about. Is is the male power fantasy wrapped up in a mumblecore southern gothic, you know. And like, don't get me wrong, like, I've really enjoyed this film. But that is like a massive problem, like, yeah. in it. Yeah. Um. And yeah, like like I said, there were it's not like there weren't opportunities for it. Like now I'm thinking back on it, there one there is one moment actually where a woman does does do something off her own back by making a phone call and letting someone know, giving some information. Mm-hmm. But we never see any of that actually come out and play. You'll know no. it when you see it. But there isn't there's a, a plot point where it's literally just one little, little tiny little scene mm-hmm. where a female character uses a payphone to divulge some information to whoever. Yeah, but that never gets paid off. I thought that was. I thought again when they were were showing that we're talking about us sort of being able to see everything coming a mile off. I thought that was going to be like a seed that would then unravel the whole plot mm. thing. But it didn't. They no, she saw nothing else out of it. But then yeah. that seed that unravels is given to a male character to plant. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. You know, there is, there is a point when um, a female character, and I won't say which one performs an action before another char- before a male character which would demonstrate a bit of agency all oh, right yeah 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 true yeah um 
but then it nothing comes of it because it's she's been, yeah. because she's been duped by the man yeah by the yeah. other man you know so it's like oh yeah like she was going to do it but she wasn't clever enough to pay attention well, I, yeah i don't know it's, it's, you know and that's because they and they say that she didn't think to check yeah i guess so you know and that's the problem is that it's it just relies on them being women and not so much being women but being organs that are being wound by men yeah like they exist as tools in this and if they're not the tool of the character they're the tool of the narrator mm. and that's the problem is that the women in this are tools they're not characters but yeah, it's a little bit troubling when you look back. But at the same time, like the performances in there are quite strong. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that, like the the performance, like yeah, again from the from the female cast as well, everyone's great. It's uh, Riley Keough is the the main mm. um, sort of one who gets the most screen time anyway, um, and she is great. Um, but I just I just wish that they given her character a little bit more of like yeah, like you say, actual eyes do something. Yeah, um, but that's that's more to do with the script and more well more to do with the source material. Like I say, it's more to do with the book. Yeah, than anything else. but um, still, like you know, th- that's the thing. Like you th- think about so many more adaptations of things that could be added in, or things that are improved from source material by converting from a novel into a film, but it wasn't done. No. So yeah, the sin exists on both heads. True, but yeah. But I mean, out, outside of that, I would say that this is, this is a good film. I think, yeah, I think arguably it's one of the best offerings Netflix has had this year. I think so, yeah. Um, just in terms of the quality of it, and it, it sort of speaks to me again. And I've, I've been saying this before: is that I would rather see more stuff like this from Netflix than the action movies. Yeah, I'd rather see ten of these. I'd rather see yeah. this five times and to blood to five bloods five times than I would like to see Extraction Two. Yeah. Because the, the problem with that is you can't. They're trying to with that with stuff like Extraction and the Old Guard. They're trying to play the studios at their own game. They're trying to do the big, the big you know, mm-hmm. blockbuster. So Extraction is clearly meant to be a John Wick type thing. Yeah. And then you know the Old Guard is meant to be like a you know R-rated comic book style thing. They're not gonna. They can't play them at that that game. The one thing where they can play them at their own game is when there's just purely based around performances and drama. Yeah. Um, which is what this film is, and what the Five Bloods really, well, the strength of both these those two films is, the cast and the performances and the direction from Spike Lee. Yeah. And this guy. Um, and like I say, that's where it needs to. That's where their focus should be. Um, and similarly with Marriage Story, which I know is one that we haven't watched, but mm. everything you hear about that is that it's just this incredible performance piece. Yeah. Um, and that's I mean, that thing. one is, yeah, it's not one on my list, but no, for well, different reasons. The, but that's the thing, like, everyone says that about Marriage Story, is that the reason you don't want to watch Marriage Story is because it's too fucking real. Hmm. Everyone says it's too real, it's too upsetting for anybody who's had any sort of, like, like yeah. experience in real life. If anyone who's lived a life... Like, well, that's the thing, like, well, speaking as somebody that's gone through... You know, someone that's gone through divorce at a young age, like I don't want to fucking watch that. No. But like, <laughs> that that's literally, I've heard everyone said that. Everyone yeah. I know who's gone. I tried watching it for half an hour, couldn't do it. No, and it's usually yeah, partly because of that. But even I feel like even if you hadn't, it's just my understanding of how well it's done is that that is what it is. Mm. And I feel like if they can continue going down that path along, yeah, with things like 
devil all the time going right we're going to make a film we're going to gather these like when you looked at the cast list on this it was like jesus christ and again yeah. you can continue to do that it's the casts are the things that i need to sell it on not the high concept thing mm-hmm. like the old guard because who gives a shit yeah like make make a drama make a fucking hard-hitting drama with charlie's there on don't make the old guard no because we've seen why it. didn't netflix pick up bombshell yeah exactly well that's too political so it's Netflix. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's too that's too political for them. That's too much of a hot potato. I'm surprised they like. No, this is the people that have bought out all these, have put out all the documentaries about social network. They did. They were the one that put out the. Um, oh fuck! I can't remember the name of the company now. But they're they're the people that are putting out like the expose of the social media and. Like the uh, like the fake news documentary about Trump and stuff. So they yeah, they guess, were the, yeah. you know, they're not that afraid to sort of put out something controversial. Oh, the big cheat or whatever it's called. Okay, yeah. So yeah, why didn't they put something the like that? Hack. That's it. The great hack. Yeah, I remember what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'll be interested, but like. Great hack and things like that. They're they're not as high profile as something like Bombshell, where it's the cast they put together and the amount of like it doesn't have an advertising campaign on the same level as. Do you know what I mean? Like people are yeah. aware of that movie and they're aware of what it's showing as well because it was something that played out on script. Whereas the Great Hack is like something that if you've got an interest in politics and you've got an interest, you have to be into it already. To be yeah. Able to get, whereas Bombshell might be something that you're already aware of and then you oh they made a movie out of it. Yeah, and it so, fits like it, it. It you know they sit within their own wheelhouses, but at the same time, like Netflix, I'd like to see Netflix be a bit more brave. Yeah, and they are starting to. Yeah, you know they they are putting out for you know for every. You know you can't forget that this is the same people that put out making a murderer. Yeah, you know true. so, they do put out these sensationalist pieces alongside. The same year that they did Beast and No Nation. Yeah. So these are things that have been seeded in the past that they are starting to expand on now. Yeah. So there are these sort of like flashes of improvement that we've got coming. Mm. So there are uh, yeah, newer yeah. and newer things coming out. Yeah, I think this is definitely a step in the right direction as well. Oh god, yeah. Um, and it's yeah, like I say, if this is the kind of because it reminds yeah, it reminds you of that kind of that season one True Detective style type stuff. Yeah. You can imagine if they, yeah, if they dropped something like that. Which it feels like they could again on the mm-hmm. back of this kind of stuff, and it's like, yeah, this is cool. Like more of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, those are our thoughts on the Devil all the time. I don't know if you've got anything else left to add on that, really. No. <laughs> that was drama- a dramatic pause. <laughs> yeah. Calculon, <laughs> the king of the dramatic. What do you think, Long Pause? <laughs> Wait, what? What? <laughs> oh, I thought your na- the character's name was Long Pause. <laughs> right, anyway, so yeah. <laughs> Thanks for um, listening to that one, guys. Uh, let us know what you thought of this if you checked it out. I say it's worth it, but we don't be prepared for a fun ride. Be no. For a, I would say, like, riveted, like, engrossing riveting. It's like, it really mm. it gets you in, like... I never felt the need to... It like, slowly pulls you in. Yeah. I would say it's not exactly gripping yeah, from the start. Like, I, I, but I, as you get through, it starts to pull you in more and more until you're right in the middle of it with them. Put it this way. 
we were watching it's obviously a Netflix film so you watch it at home and no point did I want to pause it and go and get a drink yeah because I was into it I was yeah. I wanted to know what was going to happen next and that is a marker of a good Netflix film to my mm-hmm. mind because they, they've they built that that facility is there for you to do that that's what they're like they want you to do that almost but at no point did I actually yeah, you pause it go make a cup of tea yeah. it's just too long yeah, I know. and these these seats are so uncomfortable. Seats are so um, uncomfortable. <laughs> I um, just want to sit at home. Yeah, see, but yeah, for whatever reason, I was engaged enough throughout the whole thing. Yeah, put, a lot of it is down to the performances and the direction, as we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, give it a shot. Um, next time or whenever we next get together, we're going to maybe try and do Bill and Ted. Yeah, potentially because Bill and Ted, um, the third one, the long um, just eating third Bill and Ted movie has finally been released and is actually out at the cinema at the moment. Yeah. Um, so that might be an interesting one to go because I imagine we, we're both approaching that from very different angles um, because I've never until literally like the last week I've never seen the Bill and Ted's movies. Really? The original ones. I watched them in the last like oh, okay. Like, because I knew the new one was coming up. Yeah. But I'd never seen them before. Okay. But I feel like you probably have a different relationship yeah. with them so that'll be an interesting one to get into. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I don't know how interesting my experience of it will be. Spoiler alert! But yeah, we'll definitely get on with it. Yeah, get on it next week. Okay. Um. So that's that. If you guys found anything else lurking in the bowels of Netflix or Amazon or any of those things that you think we should be talking about, let us know. Oh, I watched. Uh, here's one thing that I wanted to recommend. Don't tell I've... me it's another Shudder original. No, uh, it might be. Um, if I see that advert for host one more time on YouTube, I'm gonna fucking flip out. Fucking YouTube Premium, you cheap bastard. Cheap bastard! I just fucking pre-ordered a PS5 for a pound. Yeah, right. It was a quid. Um, I can't remember what it's called now. But I watched it the other day. It was quite good. It was interesting. <laughs> we, yeah, if we don't know what it is or what it's called, then it doesn't uh, mean anything, does it? <laughs> I don't remember what it's called. I watched it the other day. Sea Fever. Sea Fever. What's that? It's a... Um, I don't say thriller. Sea Fever. Oh, it's, the, it's, oh, it's an awful a, title. It's an awful title. Well, but it, the thing is, it's based off of a real thing called Sea Fever, which is like it's like cabin fever, but when people are at sea for too long, they go a bit mad. Yeah. But this is about... It's got a bit of... Like John Carpenter's the thing about it, yeah. But then at the same time, that film. So Sea Fever is a better film because of lockdown, right? If I watched Sea Fever last year, I wouldn't have given a shit about it. Now I've watched it during lockdown. I've gone. Huh. You said the same thing about Host. I think there's a pattern emerging here. Yeah. Well, Host is yeah, but Host different. Like Host is a film that's written produced been completely made within lockdown yeah, I know. this this has a message within it that has been exacerbated By the fact that and gives down. a better depth that we're in that because we were in lockdown, lockdown. Right, yeah. so and there is a message within that film where you go that <laughs> i was like that's a bit on the nose and then i was like oh it was made last year oh <laughs> No, reshoots. Did, did someone have a CGI face? Nope. No? Okay. Right. Do Scott's got an incomprehensible accent, though. <laughs> does he mumble a lot? Yes, he fucking does. But you, yet you like the film? I did like the film. I didn't like him mumbling all the time. Hmm. We're going uh, to figure out some sort of algorithm. 
the, 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 how, how much mumbling Tom can handle without, well, without I mean, ruining the film for him. Partially, I am losing my hearing. That, well, um, maybe that's the problem. That's what it all boils down to, is that you're just going fucking deaf. Nah, it's not that. Like, it's the fact that just fucking communicate properly in a film. <laughs> like, I don't care how much character you want someone to have. If you can't fucking hear them, then it doesn't make any sense. It's just the punchline in Hot Fuzz over and over again. And you're just like, ha, the old man mumbles. And you're like, ha, oh, that's a protagonist mumbling. And now nobody knows what's happening in the film. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> um, we'll figure out what the fuck is wrong with Tom's hearing and why he can't understand anyone. Um, and we'll get back to you with Bill and Ted next week. What? Yeah. All right. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye.